All right. Good morning. I know I've talked, uh, I've welcomed, I've invited, we've prayed. Now we're getting into the Bible today. Before we do, there's two things that I want to make uh, mention of just in this moment. We say it every single week here at High Point Church, uh, High Point Online, and that's to text HP Info to 97000. Technology is an amazing thing. And so this is one of those things that has afforded us to stay connected through text. Um, and whether you're watching from Chicago, St. Louis, Los Angeles, uh, Nashville, Atlanta, the church is global. The church is national. The church is, it is not defined by walls. It isn't defined by states. You can be part of God's global church from anywhere. And so uh, we're thankful for that. Text HP Info to 97000 so that you can get growing, you can get connected and take those next steps uh, to really get plugged into a church. One of the other things that you can do by, by, by sending that text is you'll see ways that you can continue worshiping even today. You can give. You can give online. And your giving makes a world of a difference as we seek to make a difference in our local communities for those who are going through hard times. Uh, literally, as we make transitions to prepare for meeting together uh, in person uh, again. And uh, while that doesn't have a hard date, uh, we've got some exciting opportunities uh, potentially presenting themselves uh, here very soon. So with that, let me bring you up to speed. If you did not know, doomsday shopping Doomsday business, the end of the world businesses are making a mint right now. They literally are having profits like never seen uh, before, especially over the past nine months. I know you guys have seen empty supermarket shelves, obviously, over the past, you know, nine to ten uh, months as well. You've seen things that you wanted to buy, toilet paper, for instance, and you weren't able to do it. But you might be surprised to find that websites that, that, that look to sell doomsday prepping uh, supplies have been sold out for months. Everything from 20-pound uh, rations of dehydrated Peaches. You can't find those anywhere. In case you were looking, it's, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a 20-pound bag of dehydrated peaches. Um, also, the multi-million dollar bunker that gets built in you, into your backyard. Also, back orders, okay? Literally the kind of bunkers that have greenhouses, bowling alleys, and fitness centers. Okay, this is real life for people. Okay, now, uh, if you didn't know, I'm actually streaming from my bunker uh, right now. This is why we've had such technical problems this morning. Okay, not really. I don't have a bunker. Uh, that would be kind of amazing. And while two years ago or even a year ago, you might have thought, that is crazy. But let's be honest, right? I mean, let's be for real, for real for a minute today. There's probably a little bit of you that's like, actually... Living in a bunker with a fitness center, a greenhouse, and all those amenities doesn't sound half bad right now. There's so much craziness going on in our world, maybe hiding for a few months, six months, a year. There's a part of us that's like, that kind of sounds a little nice, you know, just a, li just a little bit. Here's the thing. You know, I've been reading up on, on, on all this in, in self-proclaimed, like they, they don't hide this. These businesses are making profit because 
of the predominant emotion that has gripped so many people. And that sense, that, that, that feeling is fear. The reality is people feel afraid right now. And fear presents itself in a lot of different ways. But think of all the things that, that people are nervous about, they're anxious about, they're worried about. Uh, and to just be really transparent, we're not going to get into all the, the politicking of it at all today. But literally our Capitol building just experienced a siege, a, a taking, right? And, and driven by ultimately a foundation of fear. We, we fear a, a different kind of world. We fear a different kind of, of politician. We fear, fear a different kind of administration. We fear uh, losing this. We fear gaining that. We, we fear coronavirus right now. We fear vaccines right now. Uh, we fear civil war right now. Uh, we fear about politicians eight years from now and 12 years from now. We're afraid of international war right now. People literally have messaged uh, my wife and I about, about the fear of the opposite political party coming to burn their houses down. This is literally a sentiment that people have. Because there is a, there is a, a culture that has embraced being afraid. And when people are afraid, people do crazy things. And one of the voices of fear, it's like, and you know this, when somebody jumps out and scares you, at least for me, my initial reaction is actually anger, is it not? You want to just quickly punch somebody, right? Or you yell, you get angry, right? You cannot believe, then you laugh, some of you don't, some of you cry, some of you just, whatever, right? But there, there, there are so many reactions that we have. There are so many things, right, where fear manifests itself in a certain way. And at the end of the day, the thing that we lack in the midst of experiencing this is peace. We don't have peace. And we are a people. People that, if, if you profess Jesus as your king, well, well, one of the names that Jesus has is the Prince of Peace. And yet, yet many of us who profess to know him don't actually experience the peace that he promises to provide. So what do we do? I'm so glad you asked today. First, we pray. And I mean that. We have a week of prayer and fasting that we're getting ready to jump into starting today and tomorrow. And I want you to hear this. If you want to encounter God, the best way to do it is through prayer, is through reading the scriptures. But I also want you to do this. Turn to, uh, turn to Judges chapter 6 today. Verse 11. We're going to read about somebody, an unlikely leader who encounters God and experiences his peace. And I believe it's the same kind of peace that you and I can experience today. Father, be with us. Speak to us through your word today. Minister to us. Help us, God. Help us to be peacemakers, peace experiencers, peace lovers. Help us to be filled with your life-changing peace today. Amen. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. 
when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, what you might not understand from reading this, because most of you that are watching aren't farmers, is that threshing wheat isn't done in a wine press. Threshing wheat is done in an open field, oftentimes on the top of a hill, in an open clearing or rocky surface. Right? And you would thresh the wheat and you would you you would you'd beat you would beat that, that wheat and separate the kernel, the grain from the stalk. And then you would take your pitchfork and you would throw the wheat and, and the separated grains, etc., into the air, and the wind would blow the chaff away. But in this particular case, we see Gideon threshing the wheat where? In a wine press. Literally. The opposite of an open clearing on a hill, a wine press would have been dug into the ground. It would have been more like a pit. It would have been small. It would have been contained because this is where you crush grapes to make your wine. Why is he doing this? Because he is afraid. The Midianites have been pillaging, have been destroying, stealing the crops of the Israelites. Right? Israel has literally been, been, been hungry. They've been famished, suffering from famine. Um, and, and, and Gideon understands that if they see him with crops and he begins to thresh the, 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 the wheat in front of other people and they begin to see it, he's going to be pillaged. And so he's, he's doing this in a way that is, it's fearful. He's afraid. He doesn't want to be seen. Right? He, he, wants, to, he wants to keep his head down. And all of us have a wine press, so to speak, that we go to when we are afraid. The place that you go to to, to kind of get by, get through, to not be seen. You don't want to be, you don't want to, 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 for this thing to be drawn out, right? And so this is where we find uh, Gideon in, uh, in, excuse me, Judges chapter 6. And when the angel shows up and appears to him and calls him mighty warrior, you can sense the absurdity of this because he's anything but a mighty warrior in this moment. He's a fearful farmer. That's who he is, at least right here. So you have to wonder, how did, how did they get into this position? And, and without reading all of the text here, we don't have the time this morning to do it. If you read uh, in the beginning of Judges chapter 6, we see God uh, giving a description through the Bible of how Israel came to be. And it's the same pattern that we see over and over and over again. They're God's people, and yet they wander from worshiping Him. And they begin to worship other idols. They begin to give their life to other things. And the Bible says that God begins to resist them and bring difficulty to them so that they will do what? More or less get on their knees and begin to pray and seek him again. And time and time again in the Old Testament, we see kings and judges raised up to lead God's people into a place of deliverance. And that's where we find ourselves here in the book of Judges. But it's important to note that not every bad thing that happens to you is the devil. Not every bad thing that happens to you is the devil. God will resist our disobedience to bring us to a place of deeper relationship with him. 
He will, he will resist us to bring us into a place of deeper and, and, and more righteous obedience in him. And that's what we see God doing here. Judges chapter 6, verse 14, the Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? How is this going to happen? How can I do this? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon is afraid, and Gideon does not see with eyes of faith. He doesn't see the way God sees. Throughout the Bible, we see God looking at situations and scenarios and circumstances differently than people do with their naked eye. It doesn't matter that Gideon is the, the weakest. It doesn't matter that his clan or that he's the smallest or that his clan is the weakest. It doesn't matter that there is an enemy encroaching. Those details don't matter if you understand who God is and, and, and the kind of power that this God has. But Gideon doesn't see what God sees. Moses didn't see what God saw. Right? How many leaders, amazing leaders in the Bible, have a problem seeing initially what God sees? Elijah, Elisha, Ruth, Naomi, even Esther. Now they move into a place of faith. The Bible says that, the, that, that you and I are to walk by faith and not by sight. Yet sometimes that is easier said than done. But you and I are called to walk and have eyes that see spiritually into our situations. Not be led by our emotions and not be led by our flesh, but to be led by the very spirit of God. God sees differently than you do. He sees differently than I do. I remember, you might not know this, but I wear contacts every single day because I cannot see very well. And my, oh my gosh, you guys, I got my first pair of glasses in third grade. But the reality is I did, had no idea that I couldn't see well. Patrick, uh, who is leading us in worship, he's an optometrist, right? He probably sees this every day, right? Maybe, maybe young people or, or, or people that are getting their very first glasses or their first contacts who've gone from not seeing well to suddenly being able to see 2020 but having no idea that what they were seeing previously isn't standard. And I was in that boat. As a, as a kid growing up, I had no idea that everyone didn't see the same way I saw. And I remember going to the mall, right? Because that's when people went to the mall. <laughs> I went to the mall, I think it was Lens Crafters, right? And I get my very first pair of glasses. And when the glasses went on, they were the size of like the Hubble Space Telescope strapped to my face. But I, I'm, I'm not joking when I say that it was, a, it was like an emotional moment. It was, it, was, it was unbelievable to me 
because all of a sudden I could see, and I remember walking out of the store and being able to look down. You remember the mall, right? The, the giant chasm that is the mall and being able to read signs that were like at the end of it and know what store it was. I couldn't believe that people could see like this, that, that vision, sight was, was available, right? My mother's with me and I'm like, you know, like the obnoxious third grader, I'm reading off every single thing that I can read. Right? Because suddenly I can see, and I wasn't able to before. Gideon needs a, 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 a glasses moment. He needs a transformative experience to change his vision. This isn't going to just come because, you know, he, he, he works a little bit harder, right? Or he goes for a nice walk out in the field and suddenly, oh, his perspective has changed. No, he needs a dramatic moment with God that will change him. And for you and I, as we battle with fear or we, 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 we wrestle, right, with seeing the way God sees, we're, we're in no uh, less of a dire situation in that you are unable to see, you are unable to think, you are unable to experience what God would have for you if you do not have a transformative moment with him. It doesn't mean it's got to look like the one that's coming, but God has to get a hold of you and change you from the inside out. Gideon wants a sign. So you have this angel of the Lord that's appeared to him and he's calling a mighty warrior and he's telling him that he's going to save Israel, that he's the next deliverer. Meanwhile, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press because he's afraid. God's called him this mighty warrior. And he doesn't understand how this is going to, you know, how this is happening. Imagine this guy, he's, he's probably still working a little bit here. He's having this conversation. And we know it's a casual conversation because of the manner in which he speaks to the, the angel of the Lord. He's using a description here like you would talk to a neighbor that's a little bit older than you. I would use the word sir out of respect. Right? We, we see the same kind of verbiage being used from Gideon to this angel because Gideon does not recognize, he does not realize that this is God speaking to him through an angelic being. And so the, 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 the description, the title of respect is much lower than it needs to be because he doesn't see. And yet, all of a sudden, like someone who's close to coming to faith, if you've ever seen someone who's beginning to ask the questions, their heart's beginning to beat a little bit, they're beginning to wrestle with the realities of who this Jesus is, and they're getting close, right, to putting their faith in Him. There's, a, there's an inquisition that begins to happen. There's a, a suspicion that's beginning to take place in Gideon's heart. He begins to think, okay, who, who, who am I talking to here. Is there something more that I don't recognize yet? And he invites this angel to stay and he begins to prepare a meal. He asks if he can prepare a meal in order to honor the, his, this guest who has prophetically spoken over his life. And he goes and he, he, he slaughters a goat and he prepares this goat and he prepares unleavened bread. It would have taken hours to prepare this meal as a means of honoring this guest. And he does so, and he lays the spread out 
In Judges chapter 6, 21 through 22, something very dramatic happens. Understand, Gideon is looking for a sign. Gideon needs a, a transformative moment in here to become not the fearful farmer, but to, to embrace the mighty warrior. It says, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Catch this. The angel of the Lord burns up this offering. He takes this offering and he turns it into a sacrifice. And the angel of the Lord literally vanishes and disappears. And Gideon instantly recognizes that he was having an encounter with God. And the word that he uses to capture it all is a word that we don't use. And it's the word alas. Alas, right? He's desperate in this moment. He's fearful in this moment because he thinks he's getting ready to die. His instant reaction upon having an encounter with the king of kings, right? The God of heaven and earth is that he is going to die. He has seen God face to face and surely the only way that he gets out of this is instantaneous evaporation, death. Why would he think this? Because this is what happens when God changes you and allows you to see. The first thing that you see in these kinds of moments is who God is. Who God truly is in light of who you truly are. Gideon thinks he's going to die. It's an emotional moment. And if you can catch this with me, right, it's it's a powerful one. Gideon, the mighty warrior, thinks his life is coming to an end. All of the fear that he had about the Midianites, that's not what's front and center. He's not worried about his next meal. That's not front and center. He's not concerned about the fact that God's called him to go to war and and set his people free. No, that's not his primary concern. His primary concern is that he has been in the presence of holy God and he is not right. Our primary problem and yours is similar to Gideon's. It's that God is holy, and we are not. God is perfect. He's perfectly holy, and we are not. And he calls us to be holy as he is holy. But when you recognize him for who he really is, and you recognize yourself for who you really are, you understand the truth and reality that you are not holy and that you have been brought into his presence, and the only way to get out, the, the only normative reaction, the only normative uh, response is, God, have mercy. I'm going to die because I have been in the presence of a perfect and holy and righteous God. Gideon is seeing perfectly for the very first time. But the Lord says to him in verse 23, Gideon, peace 
peace to you. Don't be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon builds an altar to the Lord and he calls it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Ebia's rites. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom is the word that we're looking for here. God is your peace. Gideon needs a transformative moment in order to become who God has called him to become. And the only way he's going to do that is by seeing God for who he really is and seeing himself for who he really is. But in that moment, in that moment of revelation, there's recognition that I'm going to die because of who I am before a perfect and holy God. But God steps in. He took his offering and he makes it a sacrifice. The goat that was prepared, that was sacrificed, is now now accepted as, as a sacrifice for Gideon's sin. We see the unleavened bread taken. It's also burned up and the broth is burned up. And God does this extraordinary miracle. And it's a type, a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God who would also give you and I a revelation of who he is. And when you recognize who Jesus, the Almighty One, is in light of who you are, you realize that the only answer for the the manner in which you've lived your life is death. But thanks be to God that he stands in the gap and he goes to the cross, not as a sacrifice or offering like Gideon prepared, but a perfect and eternal offering for you and for me. The Lord is our peace. This is what happened 2,000 years later through Jesus, not just for Gideon, but for you and for me. See, when your eyes look to Jesus and you recognize that you are a sinner, much like Gideon, your eyes are beginning to open. You're beginning to see properly for the first time. And what's interesting is all of the other situations around us become very small, comparative to our great and eternal need for a Savior. Everything else becomes inconsequential, at least for a moment, until this great need is met in your life. See, Gideon's real problem was that he had no peace because he had no ultimate relationship with God. But God met him and dramatically changed him. And for you and for me, the peace that we so desperately need, it isn't going to be found in all of our situations and circumstances being made just right and every box checked and every scenario literally looking perfect. No, 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 no. Although I want to see God move in those scenarios, the peace that you ultimately need, the eternal peace that you are so desperate for can only be found through Jesus and his sacrifice made for you. The peace that he gives through the power of the Holy Spirit for those who would put their faith in him and experience an eye-opening, world-changing, completely wreck you from the floor up to the top of your head kind of experience with Jesus.
That is what you so desperately need. We call this in, in Christianity getting saved. We call this experiencing salvation, being born again. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter if you grew up Presbyterian. It doesn't matter if you grew up Methodist. It doesn't matter if you grew up nothing. You and I are in desperate and dire need for a Savior to change us and give us a peace on the inside that forever changes us. We need Jehovah Shalom. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27. He's speaking to his disciples who, much like Gideon, they just didn't see, they didn't get it, they didn't grasp who Jesus was. Sound familiar? But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. The same kind of peace that he gave to Gideon. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because Jesus doesn't give like the world gives. When he gives you peace, it's a forever peace. It's a peace that changes you opens your eyes. You recognize who, yes, you are and who God is and thanks be to Jesus for what he's done and through the Holy Spirit when you put your faith in him, the Holy Spirit literally comes and lives inside of you like Jesus promises and gives you an abiding peace and thank you, he does not give like the world gives. He doesn't give and then take it away. It doesn't come with strings. It isn't conditional. It, it doesn't have any of the, 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 the things that oftentimes our gifts have. He gives freely to you and to me. And he changes us from the inside out. Have you put your faith in Jesus today? Honestly, have you truly put your faith in Jesus? The Prince of Peace, Jehovah Shalom. Have you done that today? If you find yourself, you might say, yes, I have, but you, you, you still are struggling with this. You may need to be reminded of who this God is that you serve. To be filled afresh today. Or maybe you need to put your faith in him for the very first time. Regardless of where you find yourself, what you and I both need is a mighty encounter with Jesus to give us peace. I'm going to lead us in a moment of prayer. And I want you to pray with me and invite this God to move on the inside and to change you. And when he gives you that peace, might I add, all of the other things that are facing us, the painful situations, the challenging situations and moments, it doesn't make those just go away, but it gives you the strength to face them with the strength of Jesus. Father, we thank you in this moment for your son. We thank you for the, the, the picture that we see in, with Gideon. God, that we can so readily identify with the fearful farmer who becomes the mighty warrior. 
Lord, you see differently than we do and you open our eyes and God, when our eyes are open, we recognize our desperate and dire need for you. Help us to see that today. God, that our, that our greatest need is not something out there. It's for you to move on the inside. Jesus, we exalt your name today. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Prince of Peace. We put our faith in you today. If you've never done that and you're watching online today, literally just, just pray with me. Say, Jesus, you are my King. I turn from everything that does not honor you. and I put my faith in you. Thank you for changing me through the Holy Spirit and giving me a peace that will never leave. And if you're praying this today and you've put your faith in Jesus, but, but you've, you've just lost a bit of it, you, you found yourself wandering, distracted, consumed by other things, remind yourself today who it is that you serve. Jesus, I thank you for ministering to us. Remind us in this moment that you are the God of all peace. You do not change. You do not give peace conditionally. You've given it to us through the Spirit, and it is forever with us. We lay claim to that today. We lay hold of that today, and we stand on those promises in this moment that you are our peace. There is no one like you. It's in your great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you put your faith in Jesus today, your next step is to help, is to literally start getting connected into a church. Get connected into our church, High Point Online. Even if you don't live in our community, you can be part of a life group, a digital life group. You can still give. You can still participate. You can be engaged in social media and, and pray with us as we're praying uh, through a week of prayer and fasting starting today and, and, to, and the days to come. There's nothing that's keeping you from growing and getting connected with God's people. Nothing. And so I want to invite you. You can follow the links for getting involved in a life group that are in the comment section, or if you want to just make this really easy, text HPINFO to 97000. Now, all the little things for you to get plugged in are there. This isn't a, a, a sales pitch for you. We want to see you grow and become more like Jesus. And this is just one of the ways to do it. Amen? Amen.